just fact check right now. Fact is, I want to total every single roof I get on. Oh, yeah. Every time. Right. 100%. Don't we all? But you can't. You got rules. I got oversight. I got QA. I can't just total everything. Otherwise, I, I'm, my career would have been over super fast. So I'm looking around. I'm looking. I'm looking. You know, I'm looking at the vents. There's nothing on anything. There's the roof. It's not that old of a house. The roof's not very old. And I'm like, listen, dude. I mean, bro. Bro. Listen, pal. Bro. I want to total this roof. I really do. I said, you know, but it looks like, you know, there's not really anything I could take a picture of on here. There's, I'm not, I'm not finding what I need to see in order to, to, to justify paying for any, paying anything on this claim. Right. There's not, there's no damage to the sides of the house. Yada, yada, yada. So he's like, all right, well, that's cool, man. No, no problem. Yeah. We'll, we'll just catch you on the next one, you know, whatever. And so we start down a ladder and get down in the insurance front yard, standing there in the driveway and the homeowner, we knock on the door, the homeowner comes out and he immediately, I start to like say, all right, well, you know, we took a look at the, he cuts me off. And starts in with this whole, yeah, you know, uh, we when we looked at this roof, I mean, we, we are absolutely uh, positive there is hail damage on this roof. And your adjuster, he doesn't agree with that. And he, st- he stabbed me right square in the back, twisted the knife in, right. and I, my mouth just f- hit the floor. I, and I lost it on that kid. Hey, Matt. Hey. What's up, Daddy? So I had this claim, the first claim that I ever had where somebody cried on my shoulder. Really? Yep. It was in 2003. It was at the Scripps Ranch wildfire. And I was the contents adjuster. They had split up the structural and the contents between Mm -hmm. two people. We drive out there. uh, I meet the, the structural adjuster and, um, with the insured at the site of where their house was mm-hmm. and uh, start talking to them. You know, there's, <coughs> it's just a, a footprint, right? There's just, there's Salt that's, that's everything's gone. It's completely burned away. And <clears throat> we were instructed to do our best to try to get some money in the insured's hands so that they can buy clothes, so they can buy food, so they can buy, you know, stuff have a place put them up in a place to stay or to pay them to help reimburse them and get and pay them for their places wherever they're staying and i wrote some great big gigantic advance on their contents i mean they had like a a big policy and a reason fairly big house it was out in the mountains and the woman broke down in tears and you know i handed her the check and she just like hugged me and i mean you know and like every one of those claims, it was like I had a big like tear spot here. I had to like get a, needed to get like a special tear pad, like absorbent pad right. for tears for my shoulder. Um, <clears throat> and it was surprising because I wasn't expecting it at all. I mean, I was I was kind of inside my own head a little bit because I was it was the first time I'd done like a large loss like that. I had a few years of claims experience already as doing cat hail. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I was kind of like, well, I want to make sure I say the right thing. Am I doing writing this check? Right. You know, I'm like kind of, I'm not thinking about outside of myself and until 
you know, it's, it's like little things that happen in, in over the course of a career or your life in general, I guess, where things will happen and I'll nudge you in a certain way. Right. Like I was going down the trip, the journey this way, kind of sort of inside my own brain. And then that happens. And I see, you know, a really strong manifestation of what my actions do in somebody else's life and it nudges me this way. Right. And then, so I don't know, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about one of the kind of uh, sort of one of the big benefits I think at this job that, that you can have, especially when you start, whether it's small losses or large losses, but it's probably more common with large loss like that where you're having an effect on somebody's life, right? A big effect. And when you have somebody like start crying on your shoulder because you just handed them a check for some, however many thousands of dollars to, to for whatever, um, you know, you start to see that it's not all about you or me, right. you know, whatever. Um, I had a claim um, several years after that. And I've had a few of these where I would go to insurance house and it's an elderly person and they're by themselves and their spouse is dead, you know, passed away. <clears throat> and in this case, it was a this old guy. And he was telling me story after story after story after story. And when I, when I was like, all right, you know, I'm like, I finished the everything. I was done with the claim, right? I'd written the estimate and, you know, handed him the estimate, went over the numbers and all that stuff. And he wanted me he just were nailed to the couch, right? And every time I tried to like, okay, well, you know, it's been, if you have any questions, well, let me tell you about the time. And he just, yeah. he just kept going. it, And, you know, at first I was like kind of annoyed. I was like, I got I'm, I'm running up against my next appointment. And I looked at him, I looked in his face and the man was like, like just staggeringly lonely. Right. He was, he wanted me to just hang out with him for a little bit, listen to his stories. He wanted me to show, he wanted to show me, you know, uh, his hobbies, he had some guns and stuff he wanted me to see and like this cool knife from world war two and whatever it was, you know, he was an old guy. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hang out, you know, it'll be all right. You know, if I, I can, the next appointment, I've got time. I'm, I can take some time to just sit with this guy and spend a little bit of time with him and, you know, engage with him, talk with him about his, his stuff and be wowed by this. And, you know, Oh my, I can't believe that happened. He worked in the railroad security for a long time and I had all these tons of crazy stories. I can't remember any of them, but it was like one story right after the other. He was, I finally, I had to like peel myself out of there. And as I was like, you know, leaving the house, like, you know, pulling the door shut, he was still like trying to tell me a story as I'm going out the door. And you have an opportunity as an adjuster to have an impact on people's lives. And you're going to, you're going to find that you run into people who are like, we said it before they're in all like they're any socioeconomic status. They're any like emotional status. You know, he had recently lost his wife, right? You know, they'd been married for 57 years, something like that. And I mean, he was, he was an old guy <clears throat> and People are, you know, they're experiencing the highest of the highs in their life and they're the lowest of lows and and literally every single thing in between. Right. And it's the whole concept of empathy. When we talk about empathy with this work, it extends beyond just, oh, well, it's the inconvenience of having a claim. Shoot. 
you know, gosh, I'm really sorry you had this claim. You know, is everybody okay? Man, I'm really sorry to hear about that, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's being more, even more genuine about that and understanding with the context of that claim, or the, or that claim in the con, greater context of their life, what they may be going through. And you don't, you just don't know, right? I mean, we talked about it, like a person may have severe chronic pain, right? Getting up and walking to go answer the door may cause them excruciating pain just to say hi to you. And then you think mm-hmm. that they're being a jerk because they're making a face at you or they're being yep. short because they're like trying to stay upright because they're in so much pain. You have no idea. You just right. don't have any idea. Um, so empathy is super important when we get out of our own heads and we get out of our own you know, sort of mercenary attitude with this job. It's easy to do certainly because, you know, the more claims I can close, the more money I can make. And at the end of the year, then I've got more money. Right. But you have to think about the people that you're dealing with. And it's every, every one of these is an opportunity to, to, you know, convert a heart and a mind, not just to like the fact that, you know, not every, thing that you've ever heard about insurance is necessarily true, but that you have an opportunity to show people, you know, or to, to help ease a person's anxiety and concerns for a small time while you're with them. Right. Right. So I kind of wanted to just talk about that a little bit because I, I, I feel like there's a lot more to this job than just, you know, do I need Xactimate level two certification? Right. How much money am I going to make on this? Or how much money, you know, what about this fee build? Can I negotiate hourly versus component? Blah, 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 blah. Right. This is, there's a whole other side to this thing. It's the, it's the person to person side of this job, which gets left out. Are you interested in more than just punching a clock and paying the bills? Wouldn't you rather be on the A team surrounded by the best of the best in the industry? Then you need to check out Ebro Claim Service. For well over 30 years, Eberl's philosophy of treating adjusters as they wish to be treated has allowed them to establish a vast network of the most professional, educated, and dedicated adjusters in the industry. So at Eberl, you're in good company. If you're a motivated and compassionate adjuster slash claims professional, Eberl wants you to represent their organization. Go to jobs.eberls.com right now and get started with Eberl Claims Service. Honestly, that's what brought me into this business. There was two things that happened. So my first real exposure to adjusting, what really pushed me towards that direction was during Hurricane Harvey, I was down in Houston and I was working. It's a long story, but I was down there working with some guys on a a towing company. We were moving cars, flood cars for um, insurance companies, for IAA and, and, um, you know, most cars we pulled at that time were actually for State Farm. But um, what was happening was is that, you know, these people, their their houses are flooded out. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you didn't go to Harvey, I don't think, but I've worked such a, in Houston now. But you know, it it's bad. I mean, it's, it was <laughs> and the widespread amount of flooding that happened down in that area from a hundred miles west, more than a hundred miles west of Houston, all the way over to Louisiana. You know, and so many people affected. <laughs> Half that city floods when somebody puts I a sprinkler know. in the yard. <laughs> I know, but just the number of people. I mean, Hurricane Harvey was pretty bad. You know, how far north it went, how far west it went. So I'm I'm staying in an RV in an RV park, you know, and, and um, 
there was a guy that I went to high school with. He was down there working doing flood claims. And there was another guy that was uh, standing there. He was actually working with Pilot, I believe. And and I was having a conversation with him about what he did. And he says, you know, I, I make great money. I love what I do, you know. But what I really do is I concentrate on the people. I concentrate yeah. on if I take care <laughs> of the insured and do what's right for them, the money will come to me. And that's what I try to do. I don't worry about how much I'm making on a claim. I just want to do the right thing for the insured. And that's where I get my satisfaction from. And then the, the light kind of hit me was, I don't know how many times where I'd gone to somebody's house. They're, they're not even living in their house because their house is just flooded out. You know, the cars in the garage turned sideways because the water's lifted it and turned it sideways. And I'm hooking up a winch cable from... God knows how far away trying to turn this vehicle inside the garage. I can get it drug out of there and I get it towed away and the homeowner arrives and says, thank you. Thank you for getting that out of here for us. And this way, because now that we had possession of it, they can get a check, they can get a car and it's the next step in their recovery. And it was the first time in my life just for doing my job, man. Yeah. I never expected a, a thank you. Never even wanted a thank you for doing. I'm one of those guys. Guys, hey, hey, your your appreciation for doing your job is your paycheck. So shut up, and quit. Don't ask me to say <laughs> please or thank you. But um, knowing that just that one little thing helped that person get to the next level in that recovery or what they were going through. Yeah, you know. And I will remember one these people's house I went to that were they were way out south. You know, kind of south and west of of um, Houston, and you got back to where they were at, and there was dead fish everywhere. Well, the river had come up, okay, it but it receded pretty quick, and there were dead fish all over the place. Some of it had been chewed on by raccoons and other animals, mm-hmm. but it, the stench. Oh man! Okay, oh, I was. I mean, we're talking. I'm almost a month. When I made it to this house, I had been down there for almost a month. So this place was just awful. And these people had to deal with this. These people had to deal with one of the first things they had to do was was just get as much of those fish away from their out of their house, away from their house, Oof. everything else, just so that they could start the recovery because of the stench. What kind of fish were they? A bunch of carp, you know. I saw, I saw some. So they were big, fish. fat ones. Oh yeah, and just because by the time I get there, they're bloated and just rotted and just maggots all over them, and, and 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 these people are having to deal with all this crap, you know, just so they can get started and. And they had even found a way to drag their vehicles up to the road, uh-huh. you know, for me to hook up to them up there. And I was like, I didn't have to do this. I go, yeah, but you don't want to go down there. <laughs> you know, right. but we thank you for coming and getting them. You know, and one of them was a pickup truck. I opened the door and it smelled like dead fish or rotted fish. I don't know if you've ever opened up a, ref- a freezer. That's, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is, <laughs> this is about what this truck smelled like. So that's what it was for me that drove me to get into this business because I thought, you know what, this is a chance for me to help people make a difference in some lives and, and hopefully I'll get the satisfaction out of it. So that's what I focus on today. When I go out and look at something, I don't care how they treat me. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I kind of half walk around with a chip on my shoulder going to knock it off. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quick at the tongue. If you want to say something to me, I'll fire right back at you. But something happened with this career that, man, if I go to an insurance house and, and they just start lashing me, I shut up, you know, yeah, yeah. 
Never in my, I have stories from back when I worked on a service drive at a dealership and people would get very rude with me and the stuff I'd come back with them at is very well documented. (laughs) (laughs) I've got Yelp reviews I can show you. (laughs) (laughs) One star. Yeah. So we call uh, him one star James. That's pretty much it. You know, (laughs) I had the greatest CSI rating in the dealership, but anyway, the, but when I started this business, I was able to understand what these people are going through. I was able to understand that this is an event in their life that they didn't ask for. Yeah. They did absolutely nothing, you know, to be in the situation that they're in. Except for some people are in their cars and they do stupid things in them. But uh, but that's but when you're dealing with a catastrophe and you're dealing with that, man, these people did nothing. And they're they're just trying to recover and move on and you got to have some empathy for those people yeah you don't know what they went through you don't know it was like the little old lady that i dealt with whose husband had passed away and he'd handled everything for her oh, yeah she i mean i don't think that she had even she she even told me a story about how all her electricity got shut off shortly after he died because she didn't know how to pay the bills right right yeah because he'd always handled it you know yeah and so she's trying to figure all this stuff out and you know, and you just have to, I mean, if, if you're going to go into this thing and it's all about you, I mean, <clears throat> when I meet people and they just, they go, man, you seem like you're doing really well. You seem like you're doing really well, man. I want to do that. I want to make that kind of money. And I said, then you don't need to do this job. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, really, I mean, I want you to make great money, but I don't want money to be the factor of you coming into this because if you're, I think that if you come into this, just chasing the money and this is my opinion. Okay. I think if you come into this industry, just looking for the money, you're coming into it for the wrong reasons. That's, that is true. I 100% agree with that. Totally. You, know, you yeah. really, you got to want to, you have to want to do the job and it is, it's a, it's a lifestyle. Um, if you're not all in on it, like that part of it, then it's, it's not, we have, we have a lot of people in it that are not all in to, to that part of it. It's again, like we said before, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mercenary kind of a culture that we have, which is, I don't think is very useful. I mean, it's great that people are self-starters and they want to be like, basically run their own business and make their own, you know, pave their own way through the world. But it's, it has to be with, the heart of a servant and not at the heart of I'm trying to get gather it all to me. Right. Um, There is a a little bit of a dichotomy, I would say between, you know, when we talk about volume and then we talk, we're now talking about like, you know, customer service and hanging out with the customers and helping them. I don't, I don't think that those are incongruent with each other because um, there is a, I think there's a point of diminishing returns. When you, when you, people will, will, uh, and I've seen this in action where a firm will, in order to increase customer service scores or touch point scores or NPS ratings or all that stuff, they will, uh, encourage the adjuster to stay longer at the insurance house and to engage them more. And just hanging out at an insurance house and like talking with them is not necessarily going to guarantee a higher NPS rating or NPS score. Um, it's, it's a quality over quantity. If you see, if you're rushing through it and you're going, you're running gun super fast. Yeah. Right. There's obviously, you know, there's, you need to spend more time with the insured for sure, Mm -hmm. but it's not a matter of like, 
sitting down with them and like doing each other's hair and, and, you know, painting each other's nails and all that kind of stuff and, and, and trying to, but like, I enjoy those meetings with clients. Yeah. With insurance. Just, and you, know. you don't have to, to go to that level where you're sitting down having Oprah, Oprah moments with everybody. You want to, the way you help them is by anticipating their fears and setting expectations and letting them know that, that if later, if they have more questions, they have an expectation that they can get a hold of you easily. Mm-hmm. And it's your, if you, if they're not gonna be able to get a hold mm-hmm. of you directly immediately, like when they call that you're going to get back with them quickly. Right. And you establish mm-hmm. that just by doing it. Right. Um, there's a little thing that I like to kind of teach and refer to, and I call it the, the, it's basically the, the, the joy, and fear spectrum, right? So on the left side, all the way over to the left is like the greatest pleasure and enjoyment you could possibly have. You just won the lottery. It's pure happiness, you know, elation. It's right. On the other end of that is you being chased by a grizzly bear and you're losing the race, right? It's, it's complete primal terror in the middle is where we live, right? So I would say that before you get onto the terror side, the fear side of everything, the farthest, the least like joyful thing is to be, to have no type of like a, a, no anxiety, uh, right at all. The second you introduce a, a slight amount, amount of anxiety, then you're on the fear side. You know, facing a lawsuit can be a terrifying and stressful experience, jeopardizing your years of hard work and success. If you don't have adequate insurance coverage as an adjuster, you're putting yourself at great financial risk. If you make your living from handling claims as an independent adjuster, then you must get errors and emissions and general liability insurance coverage. It doesn't matter if you're a 1099 or a W2 or you work carrier direct, Protect yourself with professional liability insurance from Kaplik. To find out more and to download the insurance for adjusters free guide, head on over to cplic.net slash adjustertv. That's cplic.net slash adjustertv. When we get claims, when an insured files a claim and we, we're calling that person, they're over into the deep, pretty deep into the fear side of things already. Even if they are not normally a fearful person, they've got anxiety because they're thinking about all the things that they, you know, they, they've heard about insurance companies. This is going to be a big pain. They're, they're preparing for a fight, right? They're, that's not on the joy side of the spectrum. <clears throat> we don't have to bring people over to the joy side all the way. Mm. If we can get them right to the middle, right? Or, you know, get them to the point because they're still going to have some anxiety about some part of the process. Well, I got to find a contractor and that causes anxiety, right? Even if their their interaction with me is a little bit on the joy side where there's no anxiety, it's flat, right? Um, but we have to do our best to remember that how far over on the anxiety side, and I'm going to make an assumption that they're, most people are pretty far over into, they've got a, a, a relatively high level of anxiety about the at least about the process, having to deal with this now on top of all the other things that they have to deal with, right? As just being alive and just having all the things that everybody does all the time, right? If I can, I want to always try to bring them 
reduce that anxiety. All right. Right. And it, 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 the more you deal with people, the more you start to see that there's the same questions come up, the same fears. Well, what if it's this, what if contractors say it's going to be more, right? Well, what if I can't get it done for this amount, right? Everybody, everybody asks that if they don't ask it, they're thinking it. If they're not asking me, they're thinking it. And then they're calling their agent and asking them, right? So I'm going to answer all those, all those fear questions that I know. It's like when you watch wheel of fortune and they get down to the final thing and they automatically put RST, R-S-T-L-N-E on there right. because those are the most common. Everybody always picks those. So they put those up automatically and then you pay, start picking your letters, right? R-S-T-L-N-E is what I'm doing in my spiel to the insured. It doesn't matter what the total is, right? right. It just matters that everything that they were worried about and everything I found is explained to them. And then I hit in all those questions that I know that they're going to have. Right. Sometimes somebody comes up with a left field question, you know, that, and then you go, well, I'll answer that question. But generally speaking, it's the spiel covers all the things that they're going to be scared of and that they, they're going to, it helps them to know what the next steps are. And then I ask them if they have more questions. So do you have any questions about the process at all? Any, any, any thoughts, concerns, whatever, right? You're making direct eye contact because I'm at the person's house when I do this, whether I'm closing the claim on site or not, I'm going over this stuff with them in person on site. Right. Yeah. You know, actually we were wondering, you know, what if this and what if that and blah, blah, blah. or no, everything I think you, you covered, I think you covered everything. Well, listen later, if you do come up with, if something else comes up, if you have any more questions, if you guys find more damage to the house, if you, if you're, you know, you said you didn't find any damage to the inside of the house. If later on you just happen to spot something in the closet or whatever, call me and let me know and we'll take care of it. And we'll get you, we'll get you squared away. If you have questions, call me. Send me a text message if you're into that or shoot me an email, whatever. You got all my contact info, right? That, I mean, it's for most people, for a lot of people, that is as effective as sitting down with them and listening to their stories about when they worked security on the railroad for 50 years, right? Because it's taking their anxiety level about the process down, at least some, right? They're still going to have, you know, I'm not going to be be so like cocky that I would say I'm going to make them like feel like they just won the lottery when I'm done with them. But at least they're I've, I've knocked that down a little bit, which listen, it, it benefits me because it knocks down phone calls later. Them calling me back to ask more questions or worse them calling my manager to ask questions and saying I didn't explain it right. You're calling their agent who then calls my manager or who calls my manager's manager who then calls my manager. Right. I don't want any of those phones ringing for really any reason, right? Unless there's something that's out of my control. Um, and then I'm making the call. They're ringing, it, the phone's ringing because I'm calling them, not because someone, right. it's not, they're not getting blindsided or blindsided. So again, I'm just gonna go back to the fact that my greatest satisfaction in this job is helping people through a difficult time. And that's my motivation for it. That's my motivation for what I do yep. every day in this business. And I've been blessed because of it. You know, I get blessed twofold in two different ways. One is, of course, you know, one thing we always talk about, the money. Okay. It's been really good to me. But then the other is just, you know, I just, I feel good about myself at the end of the day. You know, and there's, and there's times I've denied claims or I've, I've just gone, you know, I, I hated it, you know, because I know the people had misunderstood what they had. Right. You know, or. Knowing that they didn't understand their deductible, you know, and they had this just ungodly huge deductible. I mean, 
anybody that worked in Louisiana, they saw some five-digit, you know, five-digit uh, deductibles on some houses that weren't that big, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and it just, and you're trying to explain that to the people. And, you know, I heard one guy, and it, we got into a nice little argument about this. He said, I just looked at him and said, I'm not the one that did this to you. You and your agent decided this was the best thing for you. And I guess that was a bad decision. Just something like that. you know. <laughs> and the guy was bragging. The guy was bragging about this conversation he supposedly had with an insurance. So I don't know how much of that was just braggadocia or how much of that was really happened. But I'm sure something somewhere in the middle that he shouldn't have ever said it. You know, and I just remember telling him, I said, dude, that's just the wrong thing to say. You know, why would you do that to them? Yeah. You know, that's not your that's not your place to say that. No. Yeah, they're upset. This is what's going through their mind, but put yourself in their shoes. I'd be smart enough not to sign a contract where I got a $15,000 deductible. And I'm like going, well, let me ask you a question. Do you even own a house? Right. You know, and the guy, guess what? He didn't. But anyway, it was just. It's not It's not thinking outside of themselves. It's, it's thinking about how they got one over on somebody else. A lot. Listen, a lot of adjusters are they're like internet lawyers yeah. right they're they're experts on everything another thing I, I see guys do sometimes and if, if i'm a, if i'm doing field support or i'm out you know doing ride-alongs with adjusters and they start over explaining everything yeah right first of all i was guilty of that at one time is is it really that important that the insured knows how much you know about whatever construction whatever yeah. it is or you know if they're standing there with the contractor arguing over the smallest tiniest possible little thing and it becomes a giant thing one thing i think adjusters don't really understand is that when you get into it with a contractor in front of the homeowner put yourself in the position of the oh, homeowner I know. right even if the contractor starts it you know, it starts a little verbal, you know, shoving game. If you engage with that and you start fighting back or, you know, he's said something that, you know, isn't true and you got to correct the record. And, you know, I'm just being honest. And or he's, you know, impugning your resume, saying you don't know anything. And then you start rattling off all the stuff that you've ever done with construction. Why well, you know this? Da, 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 da. Come on. It doesn't move the claim forward. First of all. Second of all, the homeowner is standing there with two people in their kitchen, you know, one person that they asked to be there, whether the person was canvassing the neighborhood or not, it does not matter. That person is in their house upon invitation, right? And they may be the ones doing the work. That person has a relationship with the contractor. If the guy shows his rear end and acts like a jackass and you engage with them, then you're both a couple of jackasses, right? And then what happens then, you know? Is the claim moved in a, into a positive place? Has it resolved some issue? If you, if the if the people are if the adjuster and the contractor are arguing in the front yard, no, not at all, not even a little bit. In fact, it's it it makes it, it pushes the insured the wrong way on the fear spectrum. Their anxiety level is going to start to crank yep. up to where they may even be afraid that you're going to start. There's going to be a physical confrontation in the front yard. You know, then. Who knows what can happen if if the if the contractor is unreasonable and is 
calling you names and you know impugning your 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 mom's character or whatever you can't take any of that stuff personally and if you're the one that seems to be calm and cool and collected not being like you know oh this guy's being mean to me or i'm gonna fight back and stand up to this guy if you're just professional let the guy do his thing keep your keep your normal stone face i mean that guy digs his own he digs his own grave and falls Right. right into it right you don't have to do anything it's it's hard to do because when you know if if you let your pride get in, even slide in a little bit and you feel like well you know I mean I know I'm a better adjuster than this guy as a contractor and da 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 and I know more I, I know I know more than he does and then you start trying to think of these things and you're saying them and you're fighting and back and forth and no it just it spirals out of control always every time there's no there's no clever comebacks there's no winning with clever right. comebacks there's no winning with just telling the truth or being honest or engaging that kind of thing in any way ever, ever. i just smile and say we're just going to disagree on this yeah you know and and i'll walk away and think in my head well at least one of us got paid to be here today yeah right <laughs> <laughs> you know that's i, I want to say that but i just just don't say a word. It's hard I, just, to do. I just I just think it. Just going. Yeah, at least one of us got paid today. Yeah. You have to reinsure reassure the insured that you are still there to help, and you know it's they're in a pickle because they've got the insurance company guy there who is trying to save money. You know they don't want to pay claims, and then you got this contractor guy there, and his job is to try to make make all the money that he can. So what do I do? Who do I believe? Da, 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 da. It's not your job to try to make anybody believe anything about anything. You can't do no. it. You just have to be more professional, be a good example, let the chips fall where. They, I mean, if if it gets to the point where the guy's, you know, he's trying to start a fight, no. I'm just gonna say. Listen, you know, I've gone over the numbers and everything, you guys, and, and I'm talking to the homeowner. If you have any questions, you know, if you guys find more, I've, I've finished my spiel, right? You know, right. give me a call um, and uh, we'll be in touch, you know, or whatever it is. And then I'm leaving. I'm not going to stand there and engage that. Right. And then I'm going to immediately call the, the agent because the homeowners, I mean, there's, I'm, and I'm not going to try to wait out the contractor and let, you know, because if it, they could be there all day long, right. you know, the fact that the contractor is still there talking to the homeowner when I leave. I can't control that. They, they're at the insurance house when I'm not there at all. Cause you know, they have meetings with the homeowners to try and get them signed and everything. Right. So I'm not at any of those other meetings. I can't influence. I can't have the kind of influence that I'm thinking. I, I think I can, I don't have the power other than to just be in control of myself. Right. It's long story short. Um, and if things go sideways, if the insured believes the contractor over you, at least there's nothing that they can say that you like engage with them or like started, you know, using foul language or, or making a butt out of yourself with that person. You were professional. You said, you know, I, I think our meeting's done here. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. And I called the agent immediately. These days, there are a growing number of remote work opportunities for independent adjusters. With scoper writer programs popping up all over the place, you can do photo and scope in the field, or you can just sit at home in your pajajays and write the estimates on what the scoper got when they were out in the field. And it doesn't matter where you live, as long as you have the internet, you can write claims as a desk adjuster. But you can't get that sweet gig without being licensed. So if you live in Nebraska, which doesn't require an adjuster to be licensed, you still have to have a New York license to write claims somebody scoped in New York. Make sense? 
Of all the credentials you need as an adjuster, there really is none more important than your adjuster license, especially your first one. You're going to need it to do just about everything else, including some adjuster schools even require you to have one before they'll let you enroll. So you need Adjuster Pro. Adjuster Pro provides a comprehensive and easy to use way to get and maintain your adjuster licenses. Most importantly, Adjuster Pro was founded by independent adjusters and the team at Adjuster Pro is dedicated to helping you thrive as an adjuster with resources for every licensing state, including dead simple CE packages. Adjuster Pro is the gold standard for adjuster licensing. You'll find everything you need to get licensed in one place. Go to adjustertv.com slash adjusterpro right now. And then call the, call your manager. After that, luckily, to this point, that's never happened to me. So to have oh, it's a somebody, of time. somebody calls a manager on me, luckily that has not happened. I've had I've had contractors, I've had body shops just upset with me, you know, and and I'll just say, look, this is the way I saw it. I'm following the guidelines that I've been given, yep. the way that I'm interpreting our guidelines, and this is how I see it, you know, and I wish there was more that I could do for you today, but there's nothing I can do. Yeah. You know, and, um, and I understand you being upset. I understand the, the situation you're in, nothing I can do about it right now. And I wish, I know that's not what you want to hear. I understand that. And I wish there was more that I could do, but I can't. And I just leave it at that. And I said, I hope, you know, reach out to me if you have any more questions. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then, and then what happens is, is that the, the contractor will demand a reinspection, thinking that he's going to get a different adjuster, yep. right, and play musical adjusters. Um, but what I'll do in that case is, if I, if if it's if I, early in my career, I'd have a manager with me. Later on, I'm just going to go back and just deal with it again, unless we need to have the manager and the, and sometimes the agent will be there, right, so that we can have a little bit more of a united front of. People there who are like just saying, listen, we're, we're trying to be professional about this and this guy is off the rails, you know, and then they're able to, you know, if you have a manager there um, and even the agents there, they have more power than you do. Right. As mm -hmm. the adjuster, they can they can say things, they can make decisions that you can't. Right. Or that you can't without their permission anyway. So and they have a relationship with the person. That they've you got a relationship. Have. Yeah. So the, so the agent has a relationship with the person. The agent can pay the claim out of, you know, he can. They can do whatever they want to do, right? right? Um, but that's out of his pocket. That's not out of whoever's right. pocket. If he wants, if you, if it's worth it to him to do that, it's rare. I've only ever heard of that like once or twice in twenty years. But sometimes the customer's got you know a lot of policies. They've got a bunch of commercial policies. They got a bunch of vehicles. They've got several rental houses. Or they got, have family members that are connected to it, and that whole yeah. network of people that came to that person. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And it's, listen, the smaller town is, the more everybody's connected in that way. And it may be that it's their family, right? Right. So I don't know. That's it. It can get sticky with those things. The best thing to do is to disengage early when you see things start to kind of go sideways after you've, if you've done your job and given your spiel and, and did, done your report and everything, then you just have to kind of leave it, kind of leave it in God's hands a little bit yeah. and then make some, make a couple of phone calls just to cover your butt. When it goes negative, I don't hang around long. No, do not. You know, I don't try to, I, I try to make that the rest of that conversation as short as I can possibly make it, get to my points Explain that's my points. Explain there's nothing I can do to change yeah. those points, and I'm out, man. 
I the other thing that happens, I get in my car and I don't sit in front out there and get my stuff together and, and make my oh, notes yeah. and everything else. <laughs> no, I put that sucker in park. I go down the street around the corner, sit in the parking lot somewhere and finish up. Make, down the, make the calls. Yeah. So generally what happens is, and this is a little bit like a, a it's not a, a thing that's confrontational, but it can, it spirals in kind of the same direction. And that is when you start to get into a little, something I call roofer theory. And that is basically where the roofer theorizes that the hail was actually spear shaped, like spear tip points, right? So it had, yeah. you know, so they'll, they'll say, well, you know, what we, based on what we could see here and, you know, what we, what we've seen on other houses and uh, based on, you know, science, these hailstones are unique in this area. You know, it's not like that Texas hail you guys get, which, you know, I don't know why guys would say that. Um, They'll say it's pointy on one end because it's falling down th- through the air. The air resistance will yeah. kind of like uh, it'll shape the hail into a, a spear point. Like, you know, like a plumb bob is, you know what that yeah. is? Yeah. They look kind of like they're, they're like kind of, it's like a reverse teardrop. So it gets, it's heavy on one end, which drives the point into the That doesn't make sense because the, the heavy side is going to be the round side, which will be gravity will pull that first. Right. So, and then they'll say, well, this is why you're seeing just one or two granules knocked out of it. I mean, you just, the warranty on the roof, I mean, you can't, it's not even, you have to total that roof out. It's just it's absolutely, they're blisters. Right? right. And then I had, I mean, we can go into roofer theory is one of my favorite things. Right. The guys that were telling me had a split level, right? It's 312 roofs. It was really easy to walk on and you could step up to the second level. And the, Lower level had a great big pine tree over the back slope, right? And so it had like lichen and moss and stuff was like pop. There's black spots all over it from the tree being hanging, having branches hang over it. The upper part had a perfectly clear view of the sky. And these two guys, and they fought. I mean, they were like, if you engage in roofer theory, theory debates, you know, these scientific, you know, symposium. You'll be there all day long. You're going to be there all day long. Because it's, 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 you're arguing with nonsense. These guys were trying to tell me they're absolutely, and they, they got heated about it. It's these two old guys and they had a beat, beat up pickup truck in the driveway. Nothing wrong with that necessarily, but because this is hail, Dan, I, you can't say this. The reason why I'm like, this up here has a clear view of the sky and there's not one spot on it up here. I mean, I don't understand how I said, I know what that is. It's from that tree because of the things that are like, and they looked at each other and laughed. This is up in Wisconsin. This is, we don't get hail up here like you do down in Texas. And I'm like, I, I've never worked Texas hail at that point. At that point in my career, I had never worked Texas hail. I never been. I've been, been to Texas, but anyway. So they were absolutely convinced that because the lower roof was lower, that the hail hit it harder because of gra- more gravity down there. I was like, what? Listen. <laughs> I took pictures and I said, you guys, I mean, I appreciate you trying. And they're like, wow, we're serious. I'm like, I'm going to call the insurer and explain this and everything because the insurer wasn't there. And I'm calling them as I'm climbing down the ladders just so that they didn't couldn't call first, right? Explain everything to the homeowner. And the homeowner was like, what? <laughs> and I, I was like, listen, I, there's some black spots on the back. So I explained everything, you know, I explained what it was. I said, your roof is in, is in great shape. It's common to see that anybody who's got a tree hanging over their, their composition roof has that somewhere on, on, and okay. Okay. And I was like, listen, but listen, 
if you get another contractor out there, somebody else comes by and wants to take a look at it and they're convinced you have hail, we'll, we'll come back out and, and meet him and talk to him. You know, we want to make sure that you're confident that what we're saying is, you know, we're on, we're, we're, we're being honest with you and that we're shooting you straight. We're giving you a fair shake, right? right. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. No problem. Thanks. Call the agent on that one. I mean, anytime it's something maybe goes sideways, I'm calling the agent for sure. That uh, reminds me of the uh, the manufactured hell that you'll see the ball peen hell mm-hmm. that we see because ball peen hammers will a they're all the same size and b there's always going to be a scuff mark a little chip in the paint you know someplace you know and it, and every dent's going to have the exact same little dot in the paint you're talking on auto yeah in the same spot and the people say, oh no the hell caused that. And you have to explain to them that hell isn't abrasive. Yeah, it's ice. It's frozen it's water. It's not abrasive. It, it doesn't do that. Well, how can you explain that the bricks, you know, the hail hit those bricks and... Chipped them. Chipped them. That's impact. Because the hail is, is ice. It is hard. Okay. Yeah. It'll hurt if it hits and you. It hurts. And if it's wind-driven, you know, I mean, it breaks paint. You know, I've even seen sure. it. You know, I mean, I've seen... Dents made by hell that on a vehicle that you couldn't believe was made. Hey, let's refer back to my little story of being in Wiley, Texas. You know, my F-150, brand new, okay? Hell hit the wheel well in the bed and knocked it loose from the body. Wow. Yes. Well, I have photos for that. Ford. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> it was the first year of the aluminum body, you know. Anyway. Right, right. But uh, by the first year of anything. So, uh, but, you know... It, it yeah it'll it'll do some destruction but it didn't scratch the paint <laughs> right right exactly yeah you know yeah. It, it cracked the paint from the impact but it didn't scratch there wasn't a single scratch on that truck yeah, yeah. so anyway it's the same thing i love that river theory well the point well if you understand physics that's at a point now this is going to be the heavy part back here which means it's going to turn that way yeah no and guys, that's what's going to happen. these guys were you know they were a couple of mit uh you know physicists and then you know th- then there's the hidden damage thing well you're not gonna be able to see the damage until six months from now it's got to have some see you know go through a winter up here and you know you'll see that hail damage it'll pop out of there you can see hail damage the second after the hail hits oh, yeah. it's right there you can see it especially if you've you've got experience looking at hail damage you it's hard to miss it you know it's like when you buy a you know a purple car you start seeing purple cars everywhere right yeah. so yeah it is i guess long story short on this is it's kind of it's easy to forget that you're part of a team right yeah. so you're you it, when you're out there in the field and maybe you've got remote management and there's no office to go into, especially these days with everything being all digital. There's no office to go into. So you get on a conference call at the beginning of the storm and get the little, you know, the orientation thing. And then that's it. Then you just claims just start showing up in your queue and you're off to the races. You ever feel like you've been thrown to the wolves by the IA firms you work for, like you're just a number on a roster? Wouldn't it be nice to work with a firm who's big enough to get plenty of work, but still small enough to know you by your first name? Then let me tell you about my friends at the Oklahoma-based IA firm, Pacesetter Claims Service. 
Founded in 1997, the thing that sets Paysetter apart is their relentless pursuit of excellence. They hold themselves and their team of adjusters to a higher standard of quality. And now with their advanced all-in-one claims platform called Evo, you'll get a real-time Uber-style map and communication link to the insured, automatic messages sent to customers throughout the process, file review automation, and a fast, accurate scope with Paysetter's partnership with Hover. Hover is integrated directly into Evo, making for a smooth and seamless field scoping experience for you as the adjuster. Technology is moving faster than ever, and Paysetter is right there at the cutting edge. AdjusterTV.com slash Paysetter. When you are out there by yourself, you forget. You forget that you're, you know, you've got it. When you put that claim together, that especially from a customer service standpoint, that you uh, you help other members of your team by helping the customer understand the process mm-hmm. and reassuring them that you know the, ne- the what the next steps are, how they can get a hold of somebody if they have a question or an issue or or the estimates are coming back higher, whatever it is, right? Because if if they know exactly what to do in all of the circumstances, the chances of them calling your other team members, like your manager or whoever it is, uh, is goes down considerably, right? So we always talk about trying to not make other people's phones ring. All of these things, I call it the, the circle of happiness. If I make the customer happy, then it makes the carrier happy. And if the carrier's happy, it makes the firm happy. And if the firm's happy, then they're going to want to keep me busy, which makes me happy. Right. Puts more money in the back. Yeah. Buy stuff. So in a way I am still a bit of a mercenary, but I recognize that I get a lot more. I make a lot more. uh, It's, it's more beneficial to me to do a great job. And to re- to take care of the insured, not to spend too much time with them over explaining things. And like, you know, you, you kind of have to modulate your approach to the person that you're with. Some people may, you know, be like, all right, just give me the facts. Thank you. Catch you later. Right. right. And you're out of there. You're not going to sit there in that guy's living room and, you know, hold hands and whatever. Um, but other people do. They, other people need it. And sometimes you recognize that there's people that outside of the job, you need to spend time with that person because they're, they're alone. They're lonely, right? Um, for whatever reason. I love hanging out with old people. Yeah. Even if they're not old people, some I people, any, people of any age can be lonely, right? So you can't just like say, oh, well, this guy's old. I better like make sure, see if he's, you know, I'm just saying just in general for, for anybody, for, for people who, who are listening, it's, they're human beings and some people are missing, you know, a little right. bit of the, the contact with other people and they, people, people crave it. Yep. Unless they're wearing a shirt that says, I hate people. Who does a, such a thing like that? I don't even know. Not with rainbows and care bears? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should be, should start a new insurance company and that's the shirt. And I hate people as a rainbow. <laughs> so, well, again, it's just for me, it's, I just, I just think of the policyholder first. And if I take care of them, then my bank account's going to be taken care of. I'm going to be taken care of. Yeah. I'm going to sleep good at night. I'm going to have less confrontations. You know, and even whenever I have that one person that wants to confront me, you know, again, I get to walk away and think in the back of my head, at least one of us got paid today. You know, yeah. I don't have to say it, but I can giggle on the inside all I want to, you know, yeah. and, but just take care of and do what's right. But be as empathetic as possible. Even when you can't give them good news, 
you know, be empathetic. And yeah. that's all you can do, man. And remember, have some empathy for that guy who's like losing his mind and the contractor is who's, yeah. who's having a freak Remember out. this, that contractor, he needs to sell a roof to pay his bills. That's right. Exactly. You know, I mean, and that's what he needs. And you may have been the seventh meeting that day that the he got denied no. on. Yep. And so he's, and he's getting frustrated. frustrated. Yep. So and keep he's that in mind. And if he's not the owner of that roofing company, he's got a sales manager beating on him. Yep. You know, yep. and, uh, it, and a truck payment beating on him. A thousand dollar super duty payment. Speaking of which, so I had this one, um, really? this is, and this is totally right in line with what we're talking about. I had this one where I was up on the roof with a, a contractor and the guy was, he was probably 20 young guy. And this was, I was probably 30 at the time, 32 or something like that. Man, back in your younger days. Yeah. Back in the. Salad days. Yeah. So I had a salad once. We get up on the roof, <laughs> uh, and we're looking around, and he's like, "Man, he's like, bro, bro, listen, bro, you know, whatever you say, man. We're, you know, we saw this one. You know, we, we were just in the neighborhood, and we thought, you know, maybe this area this could be borderline. Maybe it could do BB, or maybe not. Da da da. da. It gives, me, it gives me this whole spiel, right? And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at. It. I want to listen. Just fact check. Right now, fact is, I want to total every single roof I get on. Oh, yeah. Every time. Right. 100%. Don't we all? But you can't. You got rules. I got oversight. I got QA. I can't just total everything. Otherwise, I, I'm, my career would have been over super fast. So I'm looking around. I'm looking. I'm looking. You know, I'm looking at the vents. There's nothing on anything. There's the roof. It's not that old of a house. The roof's not very old. And I'm like, listen, dude. I mean, bro. Bro. Listen, pal, Bro. I want to total this roof. I really do. I said, you know, I, but it looks like, you know, there's not really anything I can take a picture of on here. There's, I'm not, I'm not finding what I need to see in order to, to, to justify paying for any, paying anything on this claim. Right. There's not, there's no damage to the sides of the house. Yada, yada, yada. So he's like, all right, well, that's cool, man. No, no problem. Yeah. We'll, we'll just catch you on the next one, you know, whatever. And so we start down the ladder. And get down in the insured's front yard, standing there in the driveway, and the homeowner, we knock on the door, the homeowner comes out. And he immediately, I start to like say, all right, well, you know, we took a look at the, he cuts me off and starts in with this whole, yeah, you know, uh, we, when we looked at this roof, I mean, we, we're absolutely uh, positive there is hail damage on this roof. And your adjuster, he doesn't agree with that. And he, st he stabbed me right square in the back, twisted the knife in, right. and I, my mouth just hit the floor. I, and I lost it on that kid right then and there. I was like, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a, like an angry person. You, you know me well enough. You to, I don't get that. I'll, I'll back you up on that one today. I'm, I'm a pretty chill dude. <laughs> You're right. But he was like, we just, you know, we just have to agree to disagree. We're going to get an adjust, another adjuster out here. We're going to get a reinspection on the da 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 da. Just like, just cocky, just. And I was, I mean, I couldn't believe it. And I just tore into him. I was like, you son of a gun. Gosh darn you, you jerk. Very strong terms that I use. Yeah. I, I was gosh darn it. The problem was I, because I lost my, I lost my business on this guy in front of the homeowner, basically right. saying, you just literally five minutes ago agreed with me that there wasn't any hail damage on this. What are you trying to do? What is it? What are you trying to pull the homeowner body language automatically closes up? You know, what's going on here? I don't understand what's, what's happening. Why is the adjuster being so mad at this guy? He's saying, you know, he, the other guy was being reasonable saying this and now the adjuster is being, 
lose. I lose. I, you know, I right. lost that one. Right. Um, call the agent, call my manager, you know, it's so that kind of thing will happen at an absolute left field and you have to re- retain control. Right. So what do you do in that situation? If you are able to maintain your composure in that situation, right? Do you right. disagree with them? Do you call you say, well, actually, you know, this is what happened. Now it's he said, she said, right? So what do you do? Uh, yeah. I, me, this is me. And I'm not saying this is the right thing to do. I'm going to say, well, this isn't the same conversation that we just had on the roof. However, Mr. Homeowner, this is what we found. Okay. To be getting a letter. Okay. If something changes, let us know. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> and Bye. then go like jump in your car and scream at the top of your lungs. With and the then windows make up. the phone call to the agent and the manager and you know, yeah. whatever I got or make my notes, phone, whatever it is, the protocol is for that particular carrier. Get it done. Get out of there because I'm not going to argue with it, you know, because I do have a temper sometimes and I know the best thing for me to do is, is just to keep my mouth shut yeah. and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little quick tongued every now and then and I might say something unbiblical. And so just got to get out of there. Yeah. Just hold your composure and get out, you know, just don't engage them. Can't do it. Yeah. You just can't, can't do it you just can't. I mean, as much as you want to. And trust me, I've had those opportunities and yeah. it's just. He just smile and just go, well, at least one of us got paid today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it may not be what I want to get paid today, but at least I got something for being here. Yeah, yeah. My time wasn't totally wasted. <laughs> so, you know, I don't really have anything. I'm out of, uh, actually, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had one where I inspected the house and walked around. I mean, the, the homeowners followed me around the whole time. And, you know, hey, they held the end of the tape measure for me a couple of times, you know, as I'm walking around the house and, and um, I get up, look at the roof, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing there. But there was some, there was some siding blown off the side of the house. And, you know, I'm looking for everything I can find on this house. You know, just trying to find something for this guy. And, and he's like, well, you know, do I do I need to just cancel this claim, you know, and and uh, just tell him forget it? I was like, no. I said, you know, it's this is not a Louisiana story. There's only one deductible in Louisiana, okay. So I can write up, you know, the he wasn't going to meet his deductible basically, and so I said, I'll I'll uh, let me write everything up, okay, and you know, it's just one deductible, and that way if something else happens, this is documented. And you just go to the next one. One deductible. So, in like the state, a health care deductible. No. So, in the state of Louisiana, for for um, um, on hurricanes, you have one deductible per year for hurricanes. So oh, you can have really? like seventeen hurricanes, but one deductible. No kidding. No kidding. Now, remember, just because something was a hurricane when it was in the Gulf, when it hit your town, it was not a hurricane. That deductible no longer applies because I'm trying to remember which one it was. So Laura hit, and then I was there when it came through. the The second storm came through, but it, it hit Texas first, came up the Gulf, and, and came up the coast, and went through uh, Lake Charles again. 
and it caused some more damage, okay, additional damage to some people's property. Like some people, they didn't have their their houses, you know, tarped properly or whatever, and it blew the tarps off mm-hmm. and then caused more damage on the inside. Well, that new damage caused by that second storm, because it was not a hurricane but a tropical storm, that didn't matter. That, that new damage is now a separate deductible. Right. But the third storm that came through, or anything additional from that is covered. Huh. So for that year. Wow. So so I said, yeah, we'll just take care of it. You know, we'll, we'll do that. And he's like, all right, super cool. I mean, just the guy was just so, and he's just, he was almost apologetic that he even had me to come out there. Right. You know, like part of my job, don't worry about it. You know, it's a pleasure to meet you and your family. Hope everything works out okay. Great. See you later. Bye. Next day, I look at my, I get messages, look at my messages. I mean, I go and I close it, you know, everything else, no pay under, under the document. I explained to the guy, hey, if you get it fixed, remember, make, make sure you turn that in because that's, you know, all that stuff applies. And, uh, and actually, if you got it fixed, you would actually get a little bit of money. It would, if you got it repaired, it would actually, his depreciation was, right. would, would uh, get him a little cash back. Dude calls his agent up, says, I came out there, didn't even get on the roof, said he had no damage, you know, all this other stuff. And I had photos. And granted, I didn't get on the roof, okay? But we're talking, this is wind here. I mean, I'm right. going to be able to see the wind damage. I put my ladder up, took the photos, you know, and I, I looked, you know. And, uh, and you can see my photos from the from the ladder. Oh, boy. The garage was a was a, an attached carport. I actually got on top of that, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually found damage on top of that. But anyway, long story short, guy calls, complains, you know, I got it. They're wanting me to explain this. And I'm like, going, ah, there's nothing to explain. I, mean, I did. I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, we replaced all the siding that was needed to be replaced. And we it was only one side of the house. I found a little bit of wind damage on the carport. There was a hole in the, the barn out back where the, it went through the metal. It was one piece of metal, you know, corrugated metal. We're going to replace that. The, the metal in his chicken coop blew away, you know, and he's got a temporary repair on it. You know, we included all that stuff. What else how can I do for it? You know, but it's just guy was sweet as can be when I was there. You know, that seemed happens. like the salt of the earth guy. You know, just seemed like the kind of guy you want to sit around and have some beers with. And next thing you know, you Fooled find out, next thing you know, later on, you just wanted to punch him in the mouth. Yeah. You yeah. Know, but you can't do that. It's interesting. It's interesting. Like I, I've had, I had an, my sister was working for me as an assistant for a long time. She'd make my contact calls, which is the main thing I needed for her to do. And she would occasionally put a note in one of the, you know, because I sent her a big long email with the contact information and the appointment times. And then she would send it all back. This person, oh, these are all confirmed. These are left, left messages, whatever. Sometimes she would put a note saying that this person was rude or this person was a stinker or whatever. Right. And... Uh, you know, I talked to her about it. some of them. She's like, yeah, I mean, he was like, the guy was super condescending and all this kind of stuff. And was so I, you know, you're going to have trouble with him. And they get out there and the guy's kissing my butt. It's yeah. like being as sweet as can be. And I, it, it occurred to me that, that it may be that some people treat women that way, right. you know, versus the guy. Because I don't know. It's rare for you to make a contact call for the person to be kind of stinky with you. Or right. For me. But she, it was you know, one out of 10 for her. 
I've had people that on the phone, you're like going, oh, great, man, this guy. Yeah. You know me, I'm kind of jovial. You know, I'll, I'll kind of try to be as upbeat as I can on the phone and maybe crack a small little joke, you know, or just whatever. And this guy was just like, uh, uh, it was just, you know, all I got was some barely audible grunts right. out of this guy, you know, and I'm like going, this is just going to be a pleasure when I get out there. Get out there, man. The guy was just wonderful to talk to. Yeah. Hey, buddy, what's up, man? What's going on? You know, I'm thinking, guy just had a bad day. Hey, could be meds, you know? right? Could be meds. So I have, I had a neighbor when I was in Kansas City that was uh, the sweetest. He was in his 80s, a sweet little guy. And occasionally I'd see him out there walking one of his little dogs, you know, and he's, oh, Matt, how you doing? Da, 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 da. You know, I, it's, you know, what about the weather today? How's this? How's that? Yada, yada. Um, and one night I was sitting in my living room and my door, my front door flies open and he runs into the living room. It's like eight o'clock at night and starts screaming at the top of his lungs. Why are your headlights on in my window? Why are your headlights? And its eyes are like, you know, wild. And I was like, Mr. I can't remember your name. What in the world are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, ran outside. I'm like, what's going on? Like I'm looking, right? Cause all our houses were super close right. together and somebody four houses up, we had their car parks behind their house in a little drive thing. And I guess their headlights were, sh they could see he could, she was trying to sleep. Come to find out later, he was off his meds. He like he was taking something for something. I don't know what, even know what it was, but you never know, man. You just, you just don't never know. know. Yeah. So you have you to know. be prepared for anything and you can't take anything personally. Well, what this guy ends up happening was he says to me before I leave, he goes, oh, by the way, when you called the other day, man, I just got, I work offshore. I just got back in and, yeah. uh, and you had, I mean, I had just gotten asleep and you woke me up. So if I was a little rude, I apologize. I'm like, oh, no problem. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's great. a lot of people that work nights. Yeah. You know? Oh, I always, I always hate it whenever I call somebody and I find out that Third I, woke, shift. And I and I find out that I just woke them up. You know, I was like, oh man, you know, I just I just hate that. And, you know, it's part of it, but at the same time, like I've done, I've worked third shift when I was really young, and I know it's like wanting to get that. Sleep. It's for me, it's hard to sleep during the day, and I yeah. finally get to sleep, and then somebody wake me up. That's just that's just not great. So. We're down to just two cards here. All right. So did I tell you about the time that my wife asked me to clear the table? You did not tell me about that time. Yeah, I just got through and she goes, hey, James, could you clear the table? I had to get a run and start, but I made it. <laughs> no, no, that's not a good one. If you enjoyed this episode of Adjuster TV Radio, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Find more episodes at adjustertv.com slash podcast. This is Adjuster TV.